Welcome to the Cool Tools Show. I'm Mark Frauenfelder, Editor-in-Chief of Cool Tools, a website of tool recommendations written by our readers. You can find us at cool-tools.org. I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Kelly, founder of Cool Tools. Hey, Kevin. Hey, it's great to be here. In each episode of the Cool Tools Show, Kevin and I talk to a guest about some of his or her favorite uncommon and uncommonly good tools they think others should know about. Our guest this week is Lloyd Dangle. Lloyd is a business strategist who works with senior leaders from major companies to help them design their strategies for the future. He works for Amazon Web Services and has led strategy sessions with leaders from over 150 companies in 69 industries. He's unusual for a business strategist in that he's also a professional cartoonist. His comic strip Trouble Town ran for decades in the alternative press. He designed the original packaging for Airborne Health Formula, and most famously, he drew a comic strip for the first issue of Wired Magazine. Hey, Lloyd, it's great to have you on the podcast. Hi, Mark. Hi, Kevin. It's great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Yes, we're so delighted to have you join us, and we're very excited by your tool picks. Cool. Yeah, we totally are. Uh, we're fans of your uh your cartoons. I've, I've been reading your work for many, many years, if not decades. Um, and so uh, it's great to talk to you. Why don't you tell us about the first one, the Magic Grid Board? Okay, so Magic Grid Board is a surface that is um, comes in rolls, and it is a dry erase marker surface that um, comes in rolls that are in... in um, segments that are perforated and the, each segment is two feet by three feet and the rolls are 25 feet so or 26 feet i guess and it's the ultimate tool that is kind of a cross between a post-it and a whiteboard so i can walk around with one of these rolls and go into a meeting and roll it out on the wall in two seconds and uh, i've got a i've got a whiteboard and it accepts um, like uh, permanent markers as well as dry erase markers. So I can draw some stuff ahead of time and roll it up and carry it into a room and slap it up on the wall and I'm ready to capture uh, data on the wall immediately. And I do this in my strategy work all the time. And in fact, um, in, in my team, we will like build out a whole room with uh, foam core walls and then we'll cover the entire room in this stuff so that the entire place is a whiteboard, and then we lead uh, groups of of, uh, of uh, business uh, leaders through a series of conversations, and we capture it all in colorful pictures. So um, I live with this stuff. I love it. I use it every day, and um, at least in the in the pre-COVID times, I did. And I'm getting excited about getting back into a room and slapping some of that stuff on the wall. So so is the um, is the idea that when you're done with that session or that day, do you roll it back up and reuse it? Or is it something that you, for most practical purposes, is a one-time use? Well, we take pictures of everything and then uh, clean up the pictures and provide those to the people that I'm working with. But um, if you're drawing on it with a dry erase marker, once, once you take it down, all that stuff will get scratched up and messed up. So you have to throw it away. But um, but what's great about it is it's erasable. And then also the little chunks tear off and you can move them around. And so, and if you run out of space, you just tear off another piece and, and create more whiteboard space. So that's what I mean. It's like super flexible. 
So wherever the conversation is going and wherever the thinking is going, you're you're totally able to to flex and change it. So the the idea was is that you kind of cover the the walls with foam boards, which are like I don't know two by three feet or something. And, no, and I I use uh, like uh, four forward? by eight feet. Okay, really uh, the the tall way. Right. And so I make sort of floor to ceiling uh, whiteboards. Okay, and then you cover it with this film or this sheet, and then you instead of writing on the foam core boards itself, which cannot be erased. Is that the idea? Right. Okay. And I forgot to mention that it's electrostatic. So it just clings to the wall and requires no adhesive or anything. And then it, if you grab a piece of it, you can just slide it across the wall. So um, oftentimes, you know, we'll be having a conversation and it's taking up more space than I planned for. So I'm able to just slide it over, add some more over here. And uh, so it's a super flexible tool. Right. Okay, cool. Sounds super useful. It's $50 for a one sheet, is it? A three foot one by four roll. foot sheet? No, that's one, for one, one roll, roll that has 25 sheets. Oh, wow. That's that's a good price. It seems like it's sort of dynamically priced too, because sometimes it's 50 and sometimes it's 20. You know, it's like uh, always changing. Mm -hmm. Man. Cool. So, so uh, you are a cartoonist, like we said, and so um, you do a lot of lettering. And you have a cool uh, tool that you want to talk about that involves handwritten fonts. Yeah. So there's um, so uh, we were talking about how I would be drawing in a room on this whiteboard material as a strategist, and some and I like handwritten text because it feels, you know, human, and it's it sort of gives people the idea that they're able to join in. You know, it's not as it's not as set in stone as typography. But there are times when, you know, it's better to have something that's a font, you know, you put it into a document. Or like one time I was asked to hand letter an entire legal disclaimer on a video that I was working on. And I was like, you know, really, we should use a font for this because the font will make it a little more regular and easier to read as a block of text, you know, handwritten handwritten lettering doesn't work so great when you get past a certain number of of lines you know yeah so having a hand having a font that's made from your handwriting gives you the best of both worlds and what's super cool about this um calligrapher uh website uh which is a, a you know a web-based tool for for designing a font is that it allows you to add a certain level of randomization of the characters so mm. when you look at a, a paragraph that's this handwritten font, it has enough variation that it still looks handwritten, even though it's your, even though it's it's a it's operating as a font and you type it in. That's really cool. Yeah, I've I've had I have a I have a font made for my handwriting from some app in the past, but it was very regular, meaning that you know the E was always going to look exactly like it. You're saying this one will vary the yeah you would make four or five e's and ah. then it will it will drop them in so so there's a subscription version and there's a free version i think you have to go up to the subscription version to get that randomizing feature okay. but for me that's what really makes it great uh -huh. and the other thing is that just say that it also has this uh way of um micro 
um, adjusting the the spacing, the kerning, the kerning, and the and yeah, the kerning, and I guess you can always change. Well, you can also yeah, the kerning exactly. It's been a while since I worked at a magazine, so I forgot what that's called. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, and so your your font is kind of like always live, where you can go back into it and work on it. Um, but then you output it, and it has all of that spacing and kerning and um, and all the micro adjustments that you made. I see. So super cool. Um, I'm just trying to. Uh see if oh the pricing so i'm at the website looks like it's um i have per month i'm not sure why you'd want to have it per month well so when you start working on a font it might take you a week or so to really get it locked in the way you like it so it gives you a certain amount of time to be there working on that and then maybe after a while you're You've made all the fonts you need, and you're you're done for the, for now. I I found that it worked great for me to have it for three months, I think, mm-hmm. and then when and then they let you know when your subscription is running out, and you can you can re up it. Okay, that's that sounds good. So so you don't get to use the fonts anymore if you stop paying. No, you get to keep the fonts. The fonts. Um, oh, okay. Once you um, once you download them, they are. You know the uh, true, true true type fonts and open type fonts. So you just install them in your system, and the, and you own them. Okay, so I'm looking okay. at this a couple more details. You can use it for free, and you have a maximum of two variants for the character randomization with the free version, and no ligatures, meaning you know you can't really adjust spacing. So basically, you can't adjust the kerning. If you pay for the pro version. You can have like 15 different variations of the fonts. You have more control of the kerning. So you, there is a free version and then there's a pro version. That looks great. It's cool. I think everybody should have a font of their own handwriting. I, I do yeah. too. I, I like that idea. I have never done that, but I, I think I should give that a try. Yeah. You'll love it. It's fun. And it's fun making yeah. it too. Yeah. It seems fun. Tell us about... Your empathy map. This is something that you created, I think. So this is not, I didn't make this up. This actually comes from a man named Scott Matthews, who has a company called Tremendousness. And it's quite widely used. And it doesn't, it's a tool that doesn't really require anything except paper and and a pen. And, um, but I did include, I gave you a a template that also is kind of a way of cheating. And the great thing about this, it's a thinking tool and it's, a, it's an exercise and it really is like a magic trick. It will transform a person, like if you're working with an individual or with your, or working with a group, it will transform their thinking from judgment to empathy. And it takes about 15 minutes to a half an hour and super powerful. So I can quickly describe it. So um, yeah. Like imagine you're thinking of someone that you're working with or someone that you're dealing with in your life who's just driving you nuts and they are um, somehow behaving in some way that's just not working. You know, maybe you even have a sort of an adversarial relationship and you can't understand why. Mm 
So I love to use the empathy map in this kind of a situation. So uh, what you would do first is you get a you need two pieces of paper for this version. So for the first piece of paper, you would sit down with your team or whatever, and you would write out all the things you're feeling about this character. And you sort of think of them as a persona. Like, what are all the things that they're doing that's driving you nuts? What is everything that's bugging you about them? And you capture all that stuff until you run out of steam. And then you take that piece of paper and you hide it somewhere. On the second piece of paper, you will draw, you'll draw your empathy map. So the map, you start out by drawing a circle in the center, like a kind of a small circle. That's going to be the head of the person that you're going to be exploring and thinking deeply about. Then you draw two diagonal lines across the paper and stop when you get to the little head in the middle. So you end up with a giant X on your paper, a little circle in the middle, and the X breaks up the space into like five spaces, five, five um, or actually four areas to uh, that you're going to enter some information into. So now you have that circle. That's going to be your character. So you so think of them as if that's a, if it's a silhouette and they're facing to the right. So you put a, a little eye on it, put a little nose, like a nub on the right side, draw a little mouth, and then maybe draw an ear on the side, and then give that, give that little character a name. And think about, like, do they have some distinguishing characteristics? Maybe they have a bow tie or maybe a goatee or a special hat or a special hairstyle. And just quickly just draw that on. So now you have your character. And you ask the group to just take a deep breath and think about that character. Name the character. Maybe it's Frank. And then think about like, okay, what is the situation that character is in? Maybe they're on a deadline or maybe it's performance review time or maybe they're in some kind of a stressful situation. So think about, spend a minute thinking about that character. Now you have those five, you have those four segments around them. Um, one of them is right in front of this person's face. So you will be asking them, what is this person seeing in their environment? What are the things that they see that influence them? Who do they see? What are the friends that they see? And then you brainstorm that and just think of everything in that person's vision or in that in front of that person's face. And, 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 and this is just an imaginary person. So you're kind of you're making up an imaginary person and you're just trying to be empathetic for that imaginary person. Is that right? Yeah. Based on that character that you're trying to understand better, like, you know, a lot of times people use these to understand a fictional character of a, right. a, a fictional customer in a certain demographic. Uh-huh. But in this case, you'd be thinking about someone who's giving you trouble. And so it's not an imaginary character in this case. You're, you're actually trying to imagine that person? Well, like um, it could be a role. Like say I work with account executives all the time and the account executives are hard for me to understand because they don't behave the way I sort of imagine they should. So you'd give them, so you make sort of like a um, a, a, a um, a, per, a character that is based on maybe two or three people, like a, you know, a type of a character. All right. Okay. Or you could do it on a specific person, but it might be kind of mean. All right. Okay. All right. So that's, that's, uh, and that's what you would call an empathy map worksheet. Yeah. Okay. 
So you start with seeing, Great. then you do thinking and feeling, uh-huh. then you do hearing. You're working around that map in counter uh, counterclockwise, and you and then you do what are they saying, and then what are they doing? And mm. the, those two share that bottom section. Okay. And it takes about a half hour, and then when you get to the end of it, maybe you take a moment to discuss, you know, like how might we approach this person now based on what we've just, uh, the conversation mm-hmm. we've just had. Mm-hmm. And okay. then if you, after you've done that uh, and you've had some time to, to reflect on it, if you go back and get that original paper that you wrote, where you wrote down sort of more of your judgments, mm-hmm. you'll find that now you're in quite a different mind space. Mm-hmm. That's a good, that's really good. And so, so you kind of as a, a corollary recommendation, Game Storming by Dave Gray, Sonny Brown, James Makunufu. Uh, it is a book of thinking exercises. So this is um, one of my favorite books of, of like uh, group exercises that you would do, thinking exercises. And the Empathy Map is on page 65 of this book. But I love this book for a lot of reasons, so I would definitely uh, recommend it, and I recommend that you try some of the some of the exercises. What do you recommend it for? What what what's the use? So anytime, uh, so it's the subtitle is a playbook for innovators, rule breakers, and change makers. So when you uh, so you can pick different exercises in this book to accomplish different group objectives around strategy strategy and um, thinking bigger together and and like approaching different kinds of problems as as small groups and sort of brainstorming and and um opening up thought okay so it's a collaboration assist assisting in collaboration exactly okay that sounds really cool yeah i'm gonna Uh, get that book yeah it has some great illustrations in it also about the nature of conversations, how when you're opening a conversation and you're diverging, and then when you're closing a conversation and you're converging. And um, I like the way they write about it and think about it, and it's it's influenced me quite a bit over the years. Fantastic. What a great pick. Thank you. Yeah. yeah well, um, that's a good one. So let's see. Okay. You have a fourth tool for us that you'd like to recommend now this tool is also about strategy but it is the strategy of how you cook a fillet of fish in a Mm -hmm. pan and move it to a plate without (laughs) it falling apart Uh because that's one of the banes of my existence oh yes well you have a pretty pretty you have a really nice life if that's the worst (laughs) problem you have (laughs) well i love to cook and i love to make fish and i usually will like make kind of a salsa that i put on top of fish uh-huh. And, um, you know, cut up some herbs and stuff and onions and make something nice. And it just, and, and a fish is nice and friendly when it's, when it's raw, it's kind of rubbery. And you could use any kind of spatula, like the spatula that you would use to flip a hamburger. Mm-hmm. But after it gets cooked, it loses all of its structural integrity. Right. So there is a kind of a spatula called a fish spatula, which is also, I understand, called an offset slotted spatula, Mm -hmm. which will allow you to make that maneuver beautifully and it lands on the plate and it keeps everything together and it looks beautiful. And it's an odd spatula because it's got more space 
in it than it does have spatula. So right, right, right. You know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of negative space in it. There's yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> a lot of negative space, a lot of air, and not yeah, that much spatula. <laughs> is there? Uh, there are a number of different models and makes. Does that matter? Have you? Is this the the Argus the so Ag, I w- the best of them or? Um, do you think there's not that much difference? I will admit that I have like the $6 one, but I picked the $19 one for your show because yeah. I figure your listeners are kind of high rollers. <laughs> We're classy. We're <laughs> classy. Very <laughs> classy. But I think the point of it is that it's the, – the, the weird thing about it is it's the space, the negative space, and the spindly kind of um, – it's kind of like a – it's kind of like a, a, an elongated racket, yeah. And it's about six inches long, the spatula part of it, whereas your normal hamburger flipping spatula is about four inches uh, right, long. Right. And it allows that um, delicate, um, unstructured um, material to like sort of right. bend and sway a bit with it. And and so it's it's really an interesting technology yeah it, it may be the case where that kind of, maybe the cheaper the tool is maybe it's the better because it has more flexibility i don't really know i i i, I do know that another cool tool guest um dan pink nominated this as his favorite tool oh i love dan that's pink. right right so he was saying <laughs> the fish spatula you've got to know about this this you is know a- Life-changing. I, I thought I was going to have one that you didn't already have, which this is disappointing because I thought this was weird enough that I would be the only one. But I'm glad to know that Dan and I are in the same. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that we share this. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, well, th- these are wonderful. Um, can you tell us about what you're working on these days? So I am working on a lot of stuff that I'm under NDA that I can't talk about, unfortunately, but it's fascinating. And I am working on a project. I did a project for my son. It's uh, He graduated from high school last year, and he's waiting to go to college, and he's doing college from his bedroom upstairs. And I made him a nice little book, um, sort of, of sketches and pictures and stuff to remind him of his time with me the first 18 years. And it got me thinking because I have about a hundred sketchbooks literally that I've filled up over the years because I always carry one with me. And I'm always making fun of people and drawing insulting caricatures and just uh, like filling it up with sort of non sequiturs. And as I was looking through some of these sketchbooks, I thought, well, now's the time. I'm going to collect these into a book of probably be about 600 pages of just weird stuff that I've drawn over the years. Wow. Are you going to self-publish it or try to find a publisher? My plan is to self-publish. Do you know about um, KDP? I do know about KDP. Um, in fact, I learned about it on Cool Tools. Okay. So. <laughs> because because uh, my assistant, Claudia, published a 600-page book of her father-in-law who just died recently he was a tremendous goodreads uh book reviewer and she went through and took um his 800 best book reviews and made a 600 page book that was just fantastic well made it just looks great it's as nice an article fact is any book that you'd buy in a bookstore and you know she made maybe 10 of them i'm not sure how many and, and so is it on demand where someone yep. else can order one yep. and it just yep. they ship yep. it out yep. excellent yep it, it, and it looks really nice it's beautifully done has illustrations and so 
uh, I highly recommend that as a, as one route and you can, you know, you can do Kickstarters and anything else you want around it to fund it or publicize it, but it is a really convenient way to get something made. Thank you for that. I look forward. I, I want one. So just let, let us yeah, know. Me too, Lloyd. Oh, I'll definitely let you I know about it. it. And, and I have a question. You've been, you know, drawing, sketching, as you say, for 25 plus years. You reminded me that you did uh, the cartoons in the very first Wired. Has your process of drawing changed very much in those 25 years? Are you still um, using pen and paper? Do you have you gone onto the tablet? Are you um, have you changed the pen? <laughs> I don't know. You know I, I ha- actually I have. When I used to do Trouble Town, I would draw it with a with a rapidograph pen, which I used which used to be my favorite thing in the world. And I would also use like um, I would use sable brushes, you know, like watercolor brushes to get that kind of brushy effect. And now I like pit artist pens because they're a brush pen that is just really nice and it's like easy to use and i love those so i still draw it called called what it's called it's a faber castell pit artist's pen and they come in a lot of different tips but the brush pen is my favorite it's kind of like a springy springy little brush and it's uh you know um the ink is uh permanent and acid free and uh works great so i carry a sketchbook around with me that's a paper sketchbook but i do love to draw on an ipad with um, the Apple Pencil and in the in the program Procreate, that has millions of great brushes and and it just is a fantastic application. But since COVID hit, I also have a 23 inch Wacom Cintiq tablet that I have set up on um, this ergonomic stand, which is adjustable, and it's on a standing desk that is on wheels. And I love that too. And I draw in Photoshop using all the different photos, all the, all the different Adobe brushes and the Wacom uh, Cintiq. So I'm doing both um, digital and uh, analog. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's really great. Um, so Procreate on the iPad is good enough for you. I love it, yeah. Wow. Okay. Also, you can you can also record all your strokes, so you can make a little movie out of the drawings that you do. That's that's really fantastic. Like a time lapse. Exactly. Yeah, it just draws itself. (laughs) I like that. I love that. Well, thank you. So cool. This is um, really great. Great. Well, I hope you guys will try some of those things because I think you'll enjoy it. For sure. Yeah, definitely. That sounds good. Lloyd, thank you so much. This has been great talking to you, finding out about the tools that you use, uh, catching up with you. Uh, wow, that that uh, first issue wire that was a long 1993. So we've, uh, yeah, I still remember it very vividly. Uh, I'm, I'm walking in the office there. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. um, that first issue, we were a ragtag band of. You know, people with very little future in front of us. It was, it was um, the, the the likelihood of us succeeding was so slim um, that it was a lot of fun because we were, you know, we, we, we had nothing to lose. So that's always a great place to be, and a, and a great vision, yeah. and a great yeah. vision. Yeah. Well, thanks, and um, 
Uh, I'm glad to hear that you're you're still drawing because that's the most important thing. Every day. Well, I can't. Wow, that's impressive too. It's an integral part of everything I do, so it's 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 right there in front. Well, okay. One quick question before we go: Do you get a, a free lifetime supply of airborne? Uh, well, you know, I did have. I've probably had enough for my lifetime, so uh, okay. I don't still have a. I don't still have the free lifetime supply, but um, what's, air, what's airborne? Airborne is a um, natural. Uh, vitamin product that uh, came started in the 90s and um i i did the first packaging for them original packaging okay and um they've since kind of moved away from the packaging that i did but uh for many years uh and i was right there at the beginning where they went from like zero in sales to 100 million in sales in about two years so it was a wild ride for me okay yeah yeah, um, and we've we've gone through many uh, containers of airborne ourselves. My wife loved that stuff. Yeah, airborne. Invented by a school teacher. It's got some real, some really dedicated uh, supporters. Okay. Fans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lloyd. Well, great talking to you. Thank you very much. Great talking to you as well. Hey everybody, it's your co-host Mark, and I wanted to let you know that we have a lot more going on here in Cool Tools than just this podcast. We have our flagship website where we review a new tool every day. That's at cool-tools.org. We also have four different newsletters. We have this podcast. We have a YouTube channel where we review tools. And if you like what you hear and see and read The best way to help us out is by going to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash cooltools and donate at any level you wish. You can even contribute $1 a month, and, and that would mean a lot to us. The money that you give us will go towards paying for our transcribing costs, editing videos, and editing the podcast. It goes towards paying contributors who write the reviews for us. It goes towards our equipment costs, our hosting costs. And it supports our very small company of three people. This week, I wanted to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters who have been giving us at least $2 a month. And if you give us $2 a month, we'll give you a shout out online. And this week, I would like to thank Michael Sakochia, Molly Starr, M. Velderman, Opposable Thumbs, Pamela Cooley, Patrick Weyer, Paul Hosey, Randy Fisher, Stuart Burroughs Brand, Synaptic Sam, Therese Schwartz, Tom Hawkins, Tom Markham, What Bear, Javier Pangolin, David Lang, Eric Byers, Sean Hartley, Stephen Powell, Greg Lichtscheidt, John Hobson, Adam Bristol, Adam Naher, Anonymous, Bill Kempthorne, Bruce I. Niles, Chris Woodruff, C. Kolos, Daryl Flynn, Egg Fliegoff, Eric Hanschrau, Eric Hoover, Godfrey Saldana, Jay Skiles, John M. Larson, Jude Galligan, Kenneth Gilman, and Lucas Frank. Thank you very much for supporting the show, and we will see you next week.